Hello, friends, and happy Thanksgiving today to our U.S. listeners. Um, so currently it's the day for me. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and it's just me and my sisters this year. And we've just been hanging out, having a good time, and I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just went, oh, I haven't set the episode up yet. No! So it's late at night. But we wanted to make sure you guys got this today because we love you and we hope you enjoy it on this Thanksgiving day. So without further ado, welcome to My Sister Made Me View It, The Way of Kings Book Edition. Enjoy! Hello everyone, welcome to Books Edition. The Way of Kings. My name is Megan, and I should be working on my storyboards. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. But instead... But instead, we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. <gasps> oh, we finally have a real recording schedule. It's very exciting. We are back in the swing of things. Yep, and, and we're going to... Uh, we've made it. The number of episodes we want to have in our backlog for both Roswell and Way of Kings. Yes. Uh, I just started talking to my friend Michael today about licensing one of his songs for our opener closer. Yes. Emily, you've got our social media accounts ready. <gasps> it's only I taken think... us how many episodes to get there. Well, listen, listen, we knew we wanted to do 10 of each, which is 20 whole episodes. But it's so exciting. I'd say March. I'd say we could start releasing in March. I think so. Don't add us if we don't. But I really think we can. <laughs> yeah. We, we, might, we, might edit, we might edit it out if we don't. So now we're just, we're recording one podcast a week on a set day. We're alternating Roswell Weeks and Way of Kings Weeks. And right now it's Way of Kings Week. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Today's episode is covering chapter 28, Decision, Interludes 4, 5, and 6, Risen, Axes the Collector, and A Work of Art. Guess uh, which Emily, one was Emily's you... favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Emily's a Seth fangirl. Yes. I just want everything to be okay for him. Spoiler alert, right now, doesn't look that way. Oh, uh, Emily, right now we are at the tail end of part two. And that means we are at the tail end of this letter that has been the epigraph for all the start of part two. And I told you that when we got to the end of part two, I would read you the letter in full. I'm ready. Read it to me. Okay, here we go. Old friend, I hope this missive finds you well. Though, as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. I realize that you are probably still angry. That is pleasant to know. Much as your perpetual health, I have come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me. It is one of the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. Let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. 
You do not agree with my quest, I understand that, so much as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely. Might I be quite frank? Before you asked why I was so concerned, it is for the following reason. Ati was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Ray's, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Ponder on that for a time, you old reptile, and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm. Because I assure you, Ray's will not be similarly inhibited. One need only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to sell to see proof of what I say. In case you've turned a blind eye to that disaster, know that Aeona and Skye are both dead, and that which they held has been splintered, presumably to prevent anyone from rising up to challenge race. You have accused me of arrogance in my quest. You have accused me of perpetuating my grudge against Rays and Bavadin. Both accusations are true. Neither point makes the things I have written to you untrue. I am being chased. Your friends of the 17th Shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I doubt they have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. If anything I have said makes a glimmer of sense to you, I trust that you'll call them off. Or maybe you could astound me and ask them to do something productive for once. For I have never been dedicated to a more important purpose, and the very pillars of the sky will shake with the results of our war here. I ask again, support me. Do not stand aside and let disaster consume more lives. I have never begged you for something before, old friend. I do so now. So, who wrote this letter? So, I... My guess is still Hoyd. I still feel that this is Hoyd uh, just because earlier when he talked about, oh, so-and-so is looking for me because we got the interlude at the Pure Lake that someone was looking for Hoyd, who was not an old man with white hair (laughs) and white beard, but he was wearing fancy black instead. Um, I'm getting the feeling that... This world has unwittingly been pulled into a larger um, war uh, of cosmic significance. and Cosmeric significance? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I feel like Hoyt is trying to protect all the little ant people (laughs) from the boot of the universe. (laughs) nice so that that's my guess it it sounds very dire it sounds super dire oh no <laughs> who knew well hope uh hope things turn out okay for these folks we don't have very many pages left that's a big fat lie <laughs> we have a big fat stack of pages uh so now we're moving into chapter 28 decision which is the last chapter of part two and is going to be the last we see of Dalinar and Adolin for a while. Uh, I hate it. I hate it already. <laughs> I remember at the end of last bit, you were like, no more Shallan! What? New characters? No! And now you're like, Shallan? No! Give me Dalinar and Adolin! <laughs> she can just keep toiling in obscurity for all I care. Oh, boy. <laughs> Although I will be excited. She does actually sort of show up in this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this chapter. She is mentioned. Sort of. A bit. 
the the paths are intersecting. So we're starting off with uh, trying new designs for bridges. In Dalinar's camp. Unfortunately, the new designs they're working on, just the engineering's not panning out. And we're going to have to try something different. Uh, but Aelin is watching Dalinar through all mm-hmm. of this. And Emily, how does Aelin feel? He's worried. He is starting to see his dad as not just the Blackthorn, but as an aging mm-hmm. parent. Um, and poor Adolin has had reason to be worried about his dad the whole time with visions and all of these things. But he's realizing that his dad's starting to look old, um, which is a wake-up call. For any of you guys who have not experienced that yet, that is always a real interesting, real interesting thing when that happens. Dalinar is 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 musing as this this conversation with the bridge is going. Uh, he asks Adolin a curious question. He says, "Why are there no shard plate like suits for workmen? Why are there only shard plate suits for soldiers?" And Adolin is like. Uh. <laughs> uh, and Aidlin's answer is interesting. He's like, uh, maybe it's because war is the most important thing. And Emily, you actually said, ooh, when you were reading that the first time. Because you're like, they're, you're like, their culture oh, just revolves that. around war so much. And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're getting a little more of a closer look of what the war camp is like. It's not just soldiers. It's families, it's merchants, it's like craftsmen and things. It's like a small city, to be honest. These people have been here for, remind me, six or seven years. Yeah, about that. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but it's not just soldiers living there. It has their, they bring their families. I mean, it's, this is part of their culture. And so everyone is a part of what is going on. It's not just the men who have been called out, but you have everyone out here because that's what they do yep. so originally like the officers wives were always going to come because you you need a good wife to you know read and run your messages and like your your numbers and accounting and things like that but dalinar's also approved for dark eyes to bring their families out here as well says he even paid half of the cost which just makes me love him all the more solid solid guy um, and so Dalinar is, is again, still music. He, he does a lot of musing in this chapter, a lot of thinking. Uh, and he asks Aelin another question, and he says, um, I wonder how many of them are going to stay behind when the war is over. Because at this point, we're, like, so entrenched, and we've put so much work into being here. It's pretty much like a secondary Alethi outpost. Yes, um, and he, he muses over them. What will it look like in a hundred years? Will those rings of barracks become neighborhoods? The outer shops become markets? The hills to the west become fields for planting? And he says, the gem hearts will always be here, it seems. And so long as they are, there will be people here as well. So they have found a new, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Colony. No. Okay, this is really stupid. Like, when you have fossil fuel, you have a new resource. A new substance. Thank you. A new resource. Um, but you mentioned that you were, I can't remember if it was in this chapter or previous chapter, you're concerned about the sustainability of the gem hearts. Yes, they brought it up here in this one because I think I did bring it up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
we know as readers right now, they are extremely valuable. People fight over them. That's what kind of this, everyone's trying to beat each other to these chrysalises to the gem heart so that they can, you know, they're very valuable. But Dalinar has thought far ahead and he says, what will happen to the value of gemstones if we continue to capture gem hearts at the rate we have? And he really makes Adolin think, what happens, I wonder, when the scarcest yet most desirable substance in the land suddenly becomes commonplace? Oh, the economy. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Supply and demand. <laughs> One of the things when I do for work is we have to keep on top of trends. You know, we have to, we have to, um, oh my gosh, my brain is having such a hard time estimate uh, what did the Alethi, what is, what's against their religion? Oh my gosh, predict? Predict. Why am I having such a hard time today? We kind of have to predict trends because if we bet on a brand being really, really popular and it turns out to not be popular, we're stuck with a lot of merchandise, you know? So from a business point of view, I'm just like, business. oh, Dalinar, you say you're not political. You say you're not these things. You're smarter than you give yourself credit for, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we go through two or three. We, we go on a couple different errands with Dalinar and Adolin together. And in every single one of these cases, Dalinar is kind of pushing Adolin to the forefront. And Adolin notices this and he's like, Dad, what? What it, like what is this all about? He's like you're you're shoving me out into the lead awkwardly in a few cases. I may add like what's wrong? What's going on? And uh, Dalinar's like I'm trying to make a decision about something important, and it's it's good for the men to see you in you know a leadership role. He sort of reiterates something we saw in the very first chapter we saw them with the chasm fiend attack that it's good for the men to see you in a leadership role because what. Is Dalinar considering Emily? So this chapter is called The Decision. And Dalinar is deciding whether or not to step down and go back home to the kingdom and leave Adolin in his place. And Which is going to have so many repercussions. So many repercussions. Politically. Ecumenically. <laughs> Economically. Economically. Socially. Uh. And it's it's so interesting, too, because Dalinar is trying to figure out if he's going to be leaving or not. This chapter I really enjoyed because it showed the love and respect and support Dalinar receives from the people in his camp. Because remember, stupid Sadius is now in charge of figuring out whether or not the king there was an assassination attempt and he has interviewed i think it's some of the groomsmen i think something uh and dalinar and adolin go to talk to these men after they've been interviewed to find out what exactly it was that sadius wanted to know and these men meant well but (laughs) they were willing to be like well he wouldn't do anything wrong he never would do anything wrong ah because they're so loyal to dalinar they do not want to see anything happen to him and it may not have been helpful actually it may it may not have been been a hindrance they're just so like you can see the dedication that they have to dalinar and they said men we need to know what sadius asked you and how you responded don't worry, Bright Lord," said one of the men, speaking with a rural 
northern Alethi accent, we didn't tell him nothing. The others <laughs> nodded vigorously. <laughs> He's an eel and we know it, another added. <laughs> like, they're very firmly on Dalinar's side. And they're like, listen, if anything had been wrong, we would have fixed it so you wouldn't have gotten trouble. You know, and, and Dalinar and Adel and I could see her just mentally, like, face palming of, like, okay, guys, <laughs> thanks, but... Tone it down uh, eight notches. It reminds me of there's this episode of Bones that is basically an alternate universe episode. Um, have I seen it yet? I think you have. It's the one where Brennan and Booth run a nightclub and there's a murder I in the nightclub. One. Oh, hey, fortune cookie. Oh, that's been on my desk for a long time. <laughs> wow, guys, crunchy. <laughs> I can hear it real good. Um, so there's a murder that takes place in this nightclub. And when all of the staff gets brought into the police to be interviewed, they all like either staunchly deny or tell like different uh, lies that uh, contradict each other because they're all trying to protect. They think if anyone's done the murder, it's Booth to protect Brennan. So they're all as one clamming up to try and protect their boss but instead they end up putting suspicion more onto him <laughs> oh so adolin and dalinar have gone through this and that's when um dalinar finally tells adolin this is what i'm thinking of doing that sort of thing Can I and say one adolin- of the reasons oh, oh yeah. one of the reasons why dalinar is like i absolutely it's a good idea i'm stepping down is he gets another rejection from a high prince he wants to work with him and Dalinar's like, I was supposed to unite them. And I've literally failed at the one thing I was supposed to do. Um, I don't know if he tells Adolin. Does he tell Adolin before the ditch? Um, no, he just tells him that he is trying to make a decision. Oh, okay. But he doesn't say he doesn't say what it is. So Dalinar has not decided whether or not he's going to do this thing. It's become enough of an issue that he has to make a decision. And to help him focus his mind, it always helps him to do some sort of physical exercise, some physical exertion. So he's dressed in full shard plate, which, as you guys all know, is a big freaking deal. You get to have, you know, Thor-like, Hulk-like, Iron Man-like powers. Phenomenal cosmic power. <laughs> and so he, he needs, he feels like he needs to do something so he tells someone to fetch his warhammer and listen, it's it's Mjolnir because no one can lift it. They have to bring it in a cart. And then Dalinar is obviously able to just pick it up, no problem. And he tells the men digging the latrine ditch to go take a break. And he jumps in and starts digging the ditch himself with his warhammer. And everyone is just like, uh, 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 okay. Okay, like, uh, they don't know what to do. And Dalinar, like, goes to it. He's not just, like, hmm, like, thinking. But the more he thinks and the more he's weighing the pros and cons list is he's just working harder and harder and harder and faster and faster and faster. He's Mike Mulligan, um, if anybody knows what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, I would like to point out to you a conversation that Dalinar and Sadius had way way back in chapter 15 okay so dalinar says the code state that a general may not ask a man to do anything he would not do himself 
Tell me, Sadius, would you run at the front of those bridges you use? I wouldn't eat gruel either, Sadius said dryly, or cut ditches. <laughs> See, Dalinar's the true hero of this whole story. No one can tell me anything different. <laughs> Let's just keep reading. What? Um, so I, I enjoyed the way that Brandon Sanderson, um, presented this, uh, to us, the readers, because instead of Dalinar sitting there thinking, well, should I do this or this? He makes a lot of character statements by Dalinar's actions and Dalinar can still keep thinking of what, you know, he needs to think about, but it just sets a really cool scene that I think will have a ripple effect. Like, I think Brandon is really good at, like, having one tiny thing happen, and later down the road, it's really important that this had happened. He talks about how there's no reason for him to do this, but it felt, and yet it felt so good, so wonderful to pitch in directly with the needs of the camp. The results of what he did to protect Elokar were often difficult to gauge. It was fulfilling to be able to do something where his progress was obvious. And he's thinking about... And he starts the codes. Yeah, oh, he's just thinking about the codes. The codes. Um, let's see. It's just, it's a really, really well-written chapter of him. It's about a man digging a ditch, and I feel like it's one of the best chapters. Yeah, like, we're not going to read it all here on the podcast, but y'all, you should dig out your copies of The Way of Kings, or get your own copy of The Way of Kings, and read chapter 28, Decision, because there's no, like, really easy choice in this for Dalinar and the fact that he's thinking about these two paths in front of him are bringing up a lot more questions about the world he's in and his place in it that are just so fascinating and I just I I also love Dalinar Emily (laughs) um so eventually there are enough whispers going on with the workers who are supposed to be digging the ditch um Shard plate was sacred. Was the High Prince really digging a latrine with it? Had the stress affected him that profoundly? Frightened of high storms, growing cowardly, refusing to duel or defend himself from slurs, afraid of fighting, wishing to give up the war, suspected of trying to kill the king. Oh, it is a throwaway line, but Talonar mentions he has talked to the Ardents about his visions. That's right. And they say it's the result of an overtaxed mind. So listen, I don't know what's gonna happen and it's killing me. I just want to know that everything is okay for Dalinar because he is the only one that has a good head on his shoulders. Elokar is just an idiot. I apologize, but he really is just is so stupid. <laughs> okay. He doesn't know what he has here. And again, now my brain is going conspiracy theory mode. Uh, no, it's not. Stop. We're not doing that. I'm sorry. Um, let's see. And so he's worried. Dalinar's worried he's going to bring down the whole house, the whole um, colon. What is it? The entire colon house. And um, and so he's just getting really, 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 really worked up when a voice from above interrupts his thoughts. Is it the Almighty? <laughs> no. She likes to think so. She wishes. <laughs> and she has, um, let's see, why did she come? 
Uh, he oh, has yeah. missed an appointment. That's right. And he is really mad at forgetting because he's completely lost track of time. He's broken his war hammer. He's going to have to get a new one with all the work he's put it through. Um, and he is so angry that he has forgotten his appointment because that basically puts him at her mercy. She, he has allowed her to become elevated above him in like uh, favor wise. <laughs> it reminds me of the last of the first set of interludes at the Pure Lake of the the guy and the lady who owns the house that they're always trying to get in each other's debt because if she's enough in his debt, he'll have to ask her to marry him. But, okay, guys, something really cool. We learned some really cool stuff about the world. Um, there is a span read that is flashing. Okay, flip through your notebook real fast. I think you might have come across a span read before and you were making a guess as to what it did. Oh, yeah, um... And my my note here says our storm our span reads stormlight powered, but I don't know. Man, you make me go back through all of this stuff. <laughs> flip flip flip. Let's see. I need a I need a control F for this, but it's written in my own handwriting, and that's gonna do bubkis for me. Are you sure I took a note on that? I don't know if you took a note on it, but we've talked about it before. Oh, I'm literally going through my notes right now. Well, I was, I, I, was hoping, I was hoping you did note on it because, anyway. Uh, Emily, what is a span read? It is basically instant messenger across the miles. And the listen, Brandon Sanderson is so creative. I was blown away by the mechanics he thought up for, for long distance messaging. Um, you know, in, in some stories you have to have like a pool of water and you can, you know, talk to people across the distances or, you know, whatever. And so what this is, let's see, she nodded to the line of five span reads sitting on his bookshelf set upright in pen holders. The span reads looked like ordinary writing reads, except that each had a small infused ruby affixed. The one on the right, on the far right pulsed slowly. And so the scribe that is there, Latima is there, but she's not the one who's doing it. I am deeply suspicious of uh, Latima. I think she's a witch. I think it's Latima? L-I-T-I-M-A. The emphasis uh, can alternate between the first and second syllable, so I don't know what to tell you. So there's a small writing desk, and she clips a piece of paper to that board, and she puts the ink file into there's a very specific there's a hole cut into the desk where the ink pot goes which is important in a minute um <laughs> it's ink important <laughs> <laughs> so uh the scribe's name is delon she turns the gemstone it says one notch indicating that the request had been acknowledged and she has to make sure everything is perfectly level so there are little actual levels you know that she can adjust so that the little air bubbles you know line up if anyone's tried to like <laughs> see if a, a picture frame is is straight or whatever or if you oh my gosh if you're trying to put a wall in that's very important that you get your dang measurements right okay okay that's all we're gonna say about it <laughs> um and basically what happens is she puts the read on the on the paper Let's go of it after she's inked it all up. And the read writes 
um, without anyone else because it's connected to the one that Yanala Kalin is using clear across the continent. Yasna. Dang it. The one that Yasna Kalin is using clear across the continent. <laughs> real, 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 real fast before we get into too much with this conversation that we're going to have with Yasna. Oh my gosh, she's back. Yasna's back, 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 back again, again, again. Um, Navani sort of blindsides Dalinar with a relationship bomb. They are, uh, they are walking to the tent because she says, hey, there's a message waiting for you. And, uh, she's like, do you want to know why I picked Gavilar instead of you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And he is like, I, I don't have the mental space for this right now. Um. (laughs) But she says that Dalinar frightened her. His intensity scared her. And so she went with Gavilar instead. And then she's like, I still see it in you. And she's, you know, she's trying to, I think, spark a moment. And Dalinar's like, no, I'm not going to dishonor the memory of my brother. He's very adamant about this. (sighs) But anyway, he he meets up with, they both meet up with Adolin and they go to check the messages. And Danlin is where we meet her. Yep. And Adolin knows her. Yeah, he As of one day and he's installed her as a scribe in his dance. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Adolin. This boy. I mean, listen, he's tried his best. But (laughs) come on, Adolin. You've known her a day, and everybody knows what you're like with girls. She could be a spy sent here with wiles <laughs> to while away. <laughs> and and Dalinar does mention that he is, you know, he doesn't trust her yet, and he wishes he had a scribe he could trust more. Yeah, because um, the information that he is relaying back and forth with um, Yasna is in code where the first thing that he says when because it's it's not just there's a letter being written and and uh yasna is talking about everything that she's done it's i am instant messaging where she's like how are you and he's like i'm fine and so it goes back and forth like that but uh he says i am well cared for by those around me the words were code indicating he didn't trust or at least didn't know everyone listening. And she knows on the other end now to be careful of what she says. So he is a little paranoid for good reason. I think there's a little tiny bit of paranoia that runs in that family uh, that everyone suffers from a bit. Yeah, and it's it, it makes me think back to a, a much earlier chapter where Dalinar is mentioning to Sadius, I don't know why Elokar is so paranoid. And Sadius is like, are you kidding? <laughs> you're his uncle and you're freaked out about everything and i feel that yasna has gotten not paranoia but caution so i feel like yasna has learned caution where elokar has learned paranoia Ooh, There's i like that that is a difference um and even though he kind of says like hey there's people around me please be careful what you're saying he mentions her mother is here and she's like, oh, be careful. She bites. And Navani's right there listening in on this whole conversation. And I just, 
I took great pleasure in that moment. Oh, I'm just happy to see Yasna again. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn but- a little bit more about her. She's a seeker of truth, absolute truth. This is one of the reasons she hasn't joined up with the church, remember? She's mm-hmm. a heretic because she wants to seek something that's absolutely without fail true. And they have a name for that. She's a Veristastalian. And so Yasna, uh, Dalinar is asking Yasna, nope, rewind. Yasna is asking Dalinar about when he first saw the Parshendi. So Emily, talk about this. Talk about what you put in your notes about this. I feel like you had some questions. I didn't. Okay, so I have our span rate <laughs> Stormlight powered. And then I said, I want Adolin and Shallan to be together. <laughs> All right, we're, we're focusing on what's most important. <laughs> I used to know all the ship names. I think it's mm-hmm. Shaladalin? Adalon? Adalon? I don't know. I don't know. I'm new to the fandom. Because <laughs> uh, I initially you... listen. Oh, go ahead. I'm not telling you what I ship until much later. Okay. Because, listen, I originally was thinking, oh, it's Kaladin and Shallan, because they're the people we're reading about. I think she and Adolin would be a much better pairing, so. Okay, all right, we're, we're diving down this tangent road. Please uh, present your reasoning and findings. Why I want them to be together? What? Why you think Shallan and Adolin is a better match than Kaladin and Adolin? I mean, Kaladin and Shallan. um i just feel like personality wise they would mesh really well where he wants to take care of like he wants to be the protector and shallan i feel is going to grow out of that and they're gonna become a really good team i just feel like they'd be a really good team this is fun um and so why why what do you feel would disqualify Kaladin from this? Because Kaladin also really likes protecting people. He's too young. He has a greater destiny. <laughs> Amazing. Everyone, stay tuned. <laughs> I just feel like he's he's destined to be the lone hero. I feel like he's going to follow in um, Dalinar's footsteps. Not Adolin. <laughs> <laughs> she has a smirk on her face like I know something you don't oh. anyways so back to back to the thing um, Dalinar thinks back to when he first met the Parshendi and he and Gavilar discovered this group of Parshendi the warrior basically cast the warrior race because they're the ones that grow the armor mm-hmm. on their bodies oh uh, Yasna wants to know the very first question they ask. She's after this very specific piece of information for some reason. Um, and Dalinar recalls that they wanted to see their maps. And uh, Yasna goes on to say, did they mention the Voidbringers? And Dalinar is really confused. So Yasna's like, hey, I'm going to show you something. Get out a fresh piece of paper. And a picture is drawn. And I realize right that that's Shalon. And so does Dalinar. He doesn't know it's Shalon, obviously. He doesn't know this is his future daughter in law. Um, <laughs> this is fun. I like that you ship. Ship hard. 
I am. <laughs> and it's a picture, which uh, I don't know what page this this actual they include it in the book. Um, yes, we talked sure about it last episode. Okay, um, it's on page in the in the paper in the paperback. It's on page four seventy one, which is right before chapter twenty seven, chasm duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote, I wrote, uh, chasm fiend equals void bringer, but we don't know yet. We don't know because because uh, Yasna capitulates that the person who drew this um, may not have known what a void bringer looked like and may have just drawn the scariest thing that she knew. Uh, Yasna's assuming that this historian was a woman. Was it? We don't know. Did this did this current cultural skill set? Did it go back this far in history? Let's find out. Not immediately, though. I was about to say, did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, he wants, uh, he wants her to come back. He wants her to come back and be in the war camp, and she kind of gives him not a flimsy excuse but she's kind of like i don't know how long my research is going to take i'm not i can't give you an exact day you know and i i love this little bit of of her personality that comes out she says note i am most eager to see a chasm fiend for myself (laughs) towner's like no maybe a dead one um towards the end of this conversation dalinar comes to a very important realization that he has been thinking in terms of when he leaves and not if he leaves and it seems he's made his decision and so navani is ready to do some political plotting because dalinar's the most important high prince there is and she has all of these plans that she's ready to talk about and she is barely keeping to the to the niceties of the times where they're basically alone He's super uncomfortable with it, and she's just pushing like, hey, we've got a plan, we've got to do all this, and, you know, and just, she's like moving full steam ahead with her her plots and her political, whatever she's doing. Machinations. And he, yeah, he just cuts that all off when he's just like, I'm abdicating. And, and she's, she's like, like, no. She's like, Dalinar, that's a horrible decision. <laughs> and he basically tells her, I cannot deal with you right now and walks out and I just wanted to give him a standing ovation. Oh boy. Dalinar. And that uh that is, is the last we see Dalinar. him. We're gonna, it's the last we're gonna see of him for a while. He's, it says it was over. Uh, the end of part two. Ugh. And then Ugh. And then it's the interludes. So we are going to see, we see two very different distant places in the interludes this week. Um, We see, we actually are with someone who goes to Shinovar, which is exciting. Uh, Which, guess, guess why that's important. That's where Seth is from. That's where our favorite assassin in white is from. (laughs) It's so funny. He doesn't wear white. You know, after the beginning chapter, but I always picture him in like grungy, dirty white clothes, and I'm sure he's changed to some peasant browns by now. But I always like picture him in my mind as wearing those those white clothes. And so this, okay, I hope I say this right. Risen, Risen, R Y S N is the name of the person whose point of view this chapter is from, and she is traveling with this caravan, and 
listen, I was super confused at the beginning because she's talking about how weird this grass is. And so in my mind, I'm trying to picture grass that has a really weird texture or like a really weird um, substance until I realize it's regular grass. They think that is super weird because it doesn't retract into the ground when there's a storm. And so she's literally walking in a field and is like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) This is no good. Uh, Emily, I'm going to have you flip back to the map at the beginning of your book. Ew. You love the maps now. We've (laughs) talked about this. (laughs) We've talked about this. We have. You were like, it's so cool. And I was like, it is, isn't it? I guess. Okay, we're looking at the Roshar map, correct? Yep. Yep, you're looking for okay. Shinovar. Where is it? Uh, oh, it's clear over on the west. It's it's as far west as the continent allows. There's an island further west. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Shinovar is surrounded by mountains, which is why the which is why the grass doesn't get blown around by the high storms. Just for one thing, it doesn't have to compete with hurricane winds every few weeks or days or whatever so that was it that was that was my thought that that was that was it that the storm is going to be super weak by the time it gets there anyway because the storms are weak by the time they hit the pure lake which is in Mm -hmm. not exactly the middle but you know pretty close to it uh and then it would have to hit all those mountains so by the time they get to shinovar it's it's not nearly as strong quick quick question it talks about there's the ocean of origins but at one point we we the origins are to the east, so it comes across the water. Those high storms, is that what happens? The storms always travel from east to west. Okay. So if Roshar so, yeah. if Roshar is a round world, which I don't know if they've confirmed that or not yet in the book. <laughs> so Emily, get prepared. Flat Rosharers. Could be a flat earth we're dealing with. Um, the ocean of origins would um, join up with the endless ocean on the east side, but heck, maybe they don't. Maybe it's a maybe it's a flat earth. Also, apologies if you guys hear any chewing noises. That's my dog. He has separation <laughs> issues, and he is refusing to leave my room. And so I gave him a bone to chew on. He just he just likes it there. Risen. Does not like this grass. Does not like it. It's called soil. (laughs) She is traveling here with the stim, who is her bobsk, which um, she's pretty much an apprentice to this trader whose name is the stim, and he travels with a caravan to trade things all across the world. So, Emily, uh, talk to me about... Uh, her Bobsk, who is Thalen. He is Thalen, and he, they have come to trade, uh, chickens. He's here to pick up some chickens from the Shin people. Rewind a bit. I want you to tell me about her Bobsk. Uh, he's traditional. He thinks she should have a safe hand on. She doesn't think so, but she does it because basically he's her boss. So, yeah, she wears a glove. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know if Vistim is this way, but apparently in this 
I don't know if it's just Thalens or if it's like the merchant class or whatever. Um, he was her father legally. <laughs> he's her father legally until he says you're ready to become a merchant. So she's basically been adopted into this trade. And this is her life until she like graduates, I guess, to become her own Babsk, you know. Uh-huh. And she she does mention that she wishes he traveled to a little more exciting places, not these backwater countries. And uh, so she sets up this Fabriel that is supposed to warn us when people are coming. And she's looking around at more of this weird land with the straight uh, trunked trees and skeletal branches with leaves that don't retract. And she notices something big is missing. There are no... I'm going to wait for Emily. Nope. Rocks? Nope. Uh, No spren. (gasps) There are no spren. There's no spren here. Interesting. I, listen, I didn't take a lot of notes on this. That's why we're going through it like this. (laughs) So there's no spren here. Um, she just thinks it's so, this place is just so weird when the Fabriel announces someone is coming. Who, 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 who is it? It's Shin. So not only is the land very, very different, but the social hierarchical structures are very strange to her. Um, warriors here are the lowest class. They are universally looked down upon. And farmers are praised and lavished with riches and attention. Um, not only that, but like the the rank of the farmer is considered so special that no foreigner is allowed to approach a farming village. They are holy places where foreigners are not allowed to approach. Which is... How did I miss all of that? How did you miss all of that? (laughs) I don't know. Listen, the, the, I know exactly how you knew that there was a Seth chapter coming. (laughs) And you just skimmed right through two of the most fascinating world building interludes we have. Because you're like, I want to talk to the murder man. (laughs) Where's the lie, though? (laughs) Lies detected, zero. (laughs) Okay, literally that's probably what did happen. Uh, So what they're trading is, what what her Babsk has brought to trade is metal. Not stuff that's been mined, um, but things that look like garbage, like shells and scrap metal that have been soul cast. Sorry, scrap wood. Shells and driftwood and, you know, things like that, that have all been soul cast into metal. And Emily, why would the Shin prefer this sort of stuff to something that's been mined? Because um, breaking or shaping stone or even walking on stone in their culture is insanely disrespectful. And so from what I gather, okay, so this is me making probably some big leaps and bounds do you have, okay, because yes, I was very excited about getting to Seth's chapter. Farmers would need to farm with, I'm assuming, plows and other instruments that require metal. But if they don't mine for it, they have to get it 
soul cast somehow, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. they probably don't have soul casters. <laughs> and so I feel like this is like the best kept secret that this Babsk could possibly have shown this his ward or you know apprentice, where he brings them garbage that has been soul cast into metal. Because he can honestly say it has the no rocks were harmed in the making of this. <laughs> no rocks were harmed in the making of this metal. Um, yeah. And it's funny because they both start talking about what they've brought to trade. And they both are just talking crap about what they've brought. Oh, this metal, it's garbage. Or like, oh, you want these chickens? They're everywhere. They're not very valuable. And Risen is just like watching this back and forth. And she's like, what is going on? Like, this isn't how we've done trades before. Um, And it is culturally, like, this is how, this is how they do it. This is how they they trade things is they try and under, both of them are trying to undermark the value to get like a fairer price from the other person. Uh, Mm -hmm. But after the trade goes off, um, oh yeah. Okay, guys, listen, listen. <laughs> okay, listen. now Emily's interest peaks back because they start talking about who's probably Seth. <laughs> you like him so much. I like Why who don't I you like. Marry him? I like. I like who I like. You do, and it's fun to talk about it on the podcast. <gasps> I just thought of a really good song. I'm gonna sing like twenty <laughs> chapters from now. <laughs> So um, everything has been traded. The chickens are been given over. The metal's been given over. And as Vistim, as they're leaving, he's like, you couldn't trade me a soldier, could you? And they're just like, we don't trade them to outsiders. He's like, but you did the one time. They're like, that was seven years ago. And yet you ask every time you come here. So are all soldiers truthless? Uh... I don't think so. I think that one specifically was truthless. Oh, he was truthless. Uh, he wasn't worth anything at all. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. I'm going to read this part. Uh, you forced me to let's see. He was he was truthless. He wasn't worth anything at all. You forced me to take something in trade, though. To confess, I had to throw your payment into a river. I could not take money for a truthless. Interesting. Hey, Emily. Listen, I... What? What's what's truthless? I don't know yet. Man, it, it seems not positive. No, it doesn't. And I wonder, how do you get into being that? Do you take a vow? Do you wake up after a bad night of gambling? Do you... <laughs> What? I don't know. <laughs> don't worry about Liar! it. <laughs> I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Before they leave, before the tradesmen go off, uh, Vistim makes Reese get down and cut up some grass and makes her take it with her and makes her take care of it. Um, and she's like, what? Why? Because she has been very vocal about how much she does not like this weird stuff. And he tells her that um, he wants her to keep it until she stops thinking of it as odd because that will make her a better merchant. 
because she's um, new at this. And so anything that's weird or odd, she's, she, I feel like she wants to put distance between. Mm-hmm. But with if, if this guy had put distance between himself and, and the Shin, anyways, we're not going to go into that. But uh, he wants to make her... He wants to make her a better merchant. And so she has been tasked with taking care of this grass. And now we are rolling into interlude five, Axias the Collector. Which Megan, you told me something about Axias and, and yourself. What uh that that you... he's the character I feel is the most like me. That if you were thrown into the Cosmere, this would probably be who you were. <laughs> Ragingly hungover in a side street, <laughs> exploring the world and doing research. Hey Emily, mm-hmm. hey 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 Emily, hey, I Megan. need you to flip back to the map again. Oh no! Uh, he is in an Iriali city called Kazator. So I need okay. you to look for the nation called Iri. I R I. Okay, See. it's north of Shin- Shinovar. Uh-huh. Okay. And then it's... I found it's it. Good. And it's next to the coast of the Endless Ocean. All right. Just want you to be grounded. Know where we are in the world. Go ahead. Thank you. Appreciate it. Because I just skimmed through everything. <laughs> yeah. Why is Axius lying in an alley with a headache? What was he What was he looking for? He is a spren hunter or a researcher. He, he wants to basically catalog all the spren there are to be found anywhere ever and he is after the elusive beer spren ale spren what did he call them uh did he decide Uh, i think he ended up calling them intoxication spren okay he had been hunting this type of spren for years no he 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 decides intoxication spren is too long he calls them ale spren ale spren um and so he He's like, if I can, if I can prove their existence, this is going to be a huge win for me. And he's just like, I wonder why they only appear in Erie and why so infrequently. And we realize he has become drunk many, many, many times in the scientific pursuit of these ale spread. Okay. I know you probably skimmed this because it's one chapter away from talking about Seth. <laughs> but Emily, what does Axias look like? Oh, dear. Oh, dear, Megan. Hold on. Um, let's see. He has blue nails and crystalline deep blue eyes. Um... Oh, he casts a shadow the wrong way. Oh, he casts a shadow the wrong way. I don't like that. Man, maybe I should make you skip all the chapters so I can do live reactions. Why would that be a thing? Uh, I don't like that. I don't. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, so Axius has just crash-landed into, well, he's passed out. 
in a small model of a city made out of garbage by a homeless man who is rambling that he's the god of this city and he needs to punish Axios for taking up the temple. And their their dialogue is very funny. So listen, when you read this book, you got to read their little interchange because it, it gave me a... <laughs> Gave me a bit of a giggle. Sorry. The phone Emily was on tipped over. <laughs> Twice. What happened? Okay. But he's in uh, the nation, Erie, and the Eriali people have golden hair. And their skin, uh, they're not tattooed. Their skin is painted various colors. Axie is, is tattooed all over. And he has something that's called the curse of kind, and that's all it's all capitalized, mm-hmm. which my English brain is like, that's important, obviously. <laughs> Since he is Imean, he can change the color and marking of his skin at will, uh, which is very convenient if you're regularly robbed of everything you own. He keeps notes on his skin in the form of tattoos of everything he discovers. So last night he's trying to find... Um, He's trying to see if he made any notes while he was blackout drunk last night, and he does in the crook of his left elbow. And he finally has discovered a new kind of spread. They appear as small brown bubbles clinging to objects nearby. Uh, and he's finally proven the existence of these ale spread. Congratulations, <laughs> Axes. And in addition to this spren, he gets to see another spren. Um that everyone can see and everyone knows about. Um, this this is basically their their old faithful version of a spread, I guess, because it happens the same time every single day. And it's like, I always thought it was like a whale spread. It acts like a whale or it like jumps out of the water, but it's gigantic. They called it by its name Cusikesh, Cusikesh, the protector. I don't know. Yeah, but um maybe but he's like everyone can see it and it's one of the very few spren that there's only one of um because you know we saw we've seen victory spren and rot spren and wind spren and everything has a lot of these little teeny teeny things but this giant one is just one one um, Ooh, and this also has human faces in it yeah, I forgot it, about that. It gave me uh, very much Co the Face Stealer vibes yeah. from Avatar The Last Airbender. But I don't think Brandon's seen Last Airbender before he wrote this. I think I remember him mentioning yeah. that in a yeah. in an interview once where everybody's like, you should watch Last Airbender. And he's like, I haven't seen it. So maybe he's seen it since. But um, this very tall column of, of not quite water um, – I mean, it looks like the shape of a large jet of water. It's very dark blue in the center. And at the top of this, uh, and then it sprouts four long, like, humanoid arms with fingers and thumbs. And they land on specific golden pedestals that people of the city have placed for this exact purpose. And for 10 minutes, it just, it faces the east and just changes its faces just so fast some of them like um the faces change so quickly that the collector can't tell if they repeat at all so this is my theory about them that Uh it's people that have been lost at sea and it's taken their faces 
Uh, do I know what my theory was? What was at, your theory? At this point in time. And so I'm not going to tell you if this has been proven or disproven in the book. Uh, I think it's people who've been killed by high storms. Oh, interesting. I like that. Although I feel like that would take more than 10 minutes. Maybe it's like that month or that year or hey, whatever. Hey, Emily. What? How many minutes does this appear? <gasps> 10 minutes, not nine. 10. Ooh. Ooh. So this chapter is very, very short um, because it ends with uh, someone stealing the blanket he has wrapped around him and he is being arrested for public indecency. And he is could he could not be more excited because he can maybe study more captivity spren, which he's never seen, but he knows he might one day see it. And so he's very excited and today has been a good day for him. Hey hey Emily. Hey Megan. Hey Emily. Hey Megan. Uh I need you to write down captivity spren okay. in your notebook. No, okay. No particular reason. No particular reason. Okay. Don't worry about it. All right. What's today's date? Two twenty. Egg. It is going to be a long time until we see it, though. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no worries. All right. So now we've gotten through all that boring stuff. <laughs> Seth's own son, Villano, truthless of Shinovar, crouched on a high stone ledge at the side of the gambling den. So his current master enjoys theatrics. Um, Mackick. This, Mackick. This is spooky to me. I, I just got the, the like, brief flash of, like, Gollum, like, just standing there, like, staring and watching you. Um, this whole time. So Portion, uh, his oath stone is now uh, in the possession of, you said Makic, I yep. guess. Um, yep. And uh, we we learned that Makic uh, has had um, Seth one by one kill all the rest of the thieves that were there the night that he uh, got Seth's oath stone so that he is the only one who knows anything about it. And uh, this dude has taken up shop and uses Seth to take out his competitors. Um, quick world building thing that's interesting. We find our first recreational drug here. Oh. Something called fire moss. Oh, that's right. Uh, it says rubbing fire moss was said to make a man's mind more receptive to thoughts and ideas. Uh, and it's interesting that it's not ingested or inhaled. You just hold it between your thumb and your pointer finger and you rub them together and it, it burns in your hand. Uh, and Seth tried it once. It just gave him a headache and burned his fingers. So Seth says, kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> Dare to resist drugs and violence. <laughs> okay, he's only halfway there. So um, Seth, explains to us or i guess in his head that we are in the vilest of places where murder is talked about openly there's gambling and drugs and women women walk around with their safe hands exposed Ugh, so provocative uh and Mackick's life has really turned around since he's gotten a hold of seth 
Yep. He, he has set himself up as like a mob boss type. Yep. He dresses nicely. His his physique has improved. Uh, he's really pleased. He's really pleased with this. And mm-hmm. uh, he just sends Seth in to uh, kill his competitors and then take their stuff. Murder people. Yeah. <sighs> and poor Seth. He's truthless. He does what he is asked. He doesn't, like, he doesn't straight out say he doesn't like it. But we kind of get the feeling this is not what he signed up for. Um, he's he's homesick. Yeah. There's a scene where he's he's being sent to. Wait, wait, wait. Can I can I talk about something else real of quick? Of course, of course. Uh, um, he has a lot of time to think because he basically is an ornamentation on the wall until Makic decides he wants, you know, to use him. He even thinks about, uh, hold on, mom's vacuuming. I don't know why she's decided to vacuum now. Because it's Saturday. Saturday. Saturday is a special day. It's a day. I told her we were podcasting. I can't hear it, if that's any consolation. Well, thank you. I'm glad. It's showing up all over my, uh, my thing. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to ask her to stop just a second. Hey, Mom. No. You holler at me. My father. Like, but not all of a sudden, so you don't scare another year's life out of me. <laughs> I, heard, I heard that. <laughs> I turned and I was just popping my head out, and it was dad. <laughs> I heard it. I hope it, I hope it turned out on the, on the thingy. <laughs> Oh, he's in a gambling den where people bet on the future outcomes of things. And and he's just thinking how odd this is because of other cultures, which he's talking about the Alethi, that he talks about, like, even predicting the high storms makes them nervous, but they don't think twice about walking on stone. And he's starting to have not second thoughts, but thoughts about, well... Where else are they gonna walk if not on stone? And he's like, no, no, don't, don't, don't think like that. Like, don't think like that. Oh, hey, right and wrong. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that we're seeing a Shin's perspective on Alethkar when, at the beginning of these interludes, we saw an outsider's view of Shinovar. Interesting. Cinematic. oh man so makic kind of like gives gives him a a nod a gesture or whatever which it's a it's a sign that they've predetermined it's now time for seth to go kill somebody (laughs) and uh (laughs) and uh he uh he is been sent to dispatch the latest rival of makic He's kind of, he's kind of like, what is the point of all of this? Like, people are going to know it was me. 
you know, I mean, Mac Ekes used him to to elevate his status. Tell and- Cersei. I wanted to know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just going through the motions at this part. Everything that was so wondrous at the beginning is now really, I mean, it's just really sad. He's just being used as a murder weapon um, every single time that there's a rival in town. And and he's just like, if this continues, like, Seth is so intelligent. He's like, if this continues and Maka keeps moving up in the world and I have to assassinate more and more and more like higher ups, he has the very real fear that someone is going to put everything together, that there was a Shin assassin with a shard blade. Could this be the mysterious assassin in white? And he's afraid that Makik, with all of his glory dreams, is going to draw the attention of the Alethi and pull the Alethi away from the Shattered Plains and come down on him, which is a very real fear. Seth is not being paranoid in the least little bit. And I just feel so bad for him. You know, he could just stop murdering people. You know what? I don't think he can! (laughs) through no fault of his own i don't know what it means to be truthless maybe if he breaks his oath he'll die or i don't know i don't know well if he's going to die you'd better do it (laughs) (laughs) interesting and so it's he's using stormlight like he's it's kind of not a repeat of when the knight gavilar died but he's using all of his tricks of lashing and you know changing the shape the direction of gravity and everything and um, can i say real fast this is nice and fun to see um because the world we're in is very magical but not many of our characters are magical so it's fun even though it's being used for murder uh (laughs) it's it's cool to see how the magic of this world can be used by human i just oh my heart aches for him because at least the way things have been presented to us so far there's literally nothing he can do about it and listen i know it's murder okay guys i get it it's murder but i also am very impressed at this character who has made an oath and is not going to break it i feel like a lot of times in in books and movies it's just so easy for people to be like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Or no, I won't do that. And then immediately turn right around and do the thing anyway. And so to have a character that's just like, I, this is who I am. And he's held so strongly to his beliefs should be a good thing. But it's not being very good for him right now. Listen, I I agree that having a strong core of your beliefs as a system that you hold on to is important but i do not think the belief that i should kill everyone someone tells me to is good uh i'm personally anti-war so i feel this way about all the alethi too so listen it's not just seth i'm picking on it's all but isn't at the question at the beginning of look at me you've got me going back remember in the beginning of the book blah 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 (laughs) Listen, they're Doesn't not. Have they're a not convers- 
I'm gonna say the book isn't a bunch of disjointed beads. It's a it's a single necklace of interconnected parts. No, I know. But didn't he have a conversation with himself that can he be blamed as the murder weapon? If he's just the murder weapon, can he be blamed specifically? Which sounded like good logic to me. Yeah, it sounds it sounds logical, doesn't it? Uh, can a can a I think it's something like can a spear be blamed for killing or can a sword be blamed for killing? No, it can't. It's just a tool. So you're right, and mostly I'm I'm doing this for a fun bit for the two of us to oh, really yeah. go back and forth on this. And and the question is, does Seth have free will? Is he doing this by faith alone? Or like you suggested, is he magically tied somehow to this oath, to this oath stone, and there are repercussions we can't even imagine if he refuses? Guess what? What? I don't know. I know. That's why that's <laughs> why I'm I'm manufacturing this back and forth. <laughs> because I like even in the middle of reading this chapter, I just felt so I mean, obviously felt bad for him, but just imagine if you were him and you realized like, you know, he's having thoughts about like, well, is really walking on rock so bad if they don't have anything else to walk on? Mm-hmm. What if he starts getting thoughts of, I don't have to do what they tell me to do? Like, that's that is going to break his whole personality. Like, soon he starts getting ideas, thinking, thinking. No, well then let's hope he doesn't. Let's hope he doesn't look too hard at it. Don't look a gift oath stone in the mouth. Listen, it's not even the worst of it. Because he shows up to kill the dude, and he is met with somebody else. Because the dude he sent to kill is already dead. His yeah. head is on the table. And guess no. And guess who else is there? Who? Mackick. Oh yeah, two heads for the price Mackick's of one. Mackick's head is also on the table. Uh, someone has come into Seth's oath stone, who seems to know a lot more about it than Mackick did. And Mackick is not a problem anymore. Ah, uh, and this person addresses Seth as Seth Son Naturo, which we've only heard him addressed as Seth Son Son Volano. Oh, so he calls him by his dad. Like, is that his dad's name then? Uh, Son of? Yes. Naturo? Oh. So why was Seth using his grandfather's honorary name? Um... I believe he he tells the guy, don't call me by my father's name. He shouldn't be sullied by my actions. Oh. Sorry, he shouldn't be sullied by association with me. So was his grandfather a truthless? <gasps> or maybe is his grandfather Did Seth run away dead, from so home? No. Did uh, Seth run away from home to become truthless? You can't tell me what to do, Dad. Uh, no, Seth got sold uh oh that's right sorry traded he got traded away well interesting basically he got given away because they tried to do a trade for it and the guy threw seth's price in the river but was he the oath stone holder when he gave him away they don't mention the oath stone in risen's chapter all right well uh this guy this this new guy um who has the oath stone, he calls Seth a work of art. 
and is very, you know, praising him with flowery language about his skill and his, um, the great works that he's done. And Seth is like, no, no, I've done murders and they were bad. <laughs> they were terrible. And, and Seth is just like, listen, I, there are artists. I am not an artist. And the guy's like, really? This is coming from basically the man who, he says, this from the man who nearly toppled one of the greatest kingdoms in Roshar. And Seth corrects him and is like, no, that's this is coming from the man who committed one of the most heinous slaughters in Roshar. Basically the world. Alethkar is the America of Roshar. Um, and the figure is just like, listen, that was nothing compared to what these shard bears do on the battlefield every day. And you are capable of so much more. And then, oh, listen, I feel like for a brief moment, Seth was happy for like a split second because we find out that, you know, his current master is dead. He says, so now I must return to my master. Oh, wait, sorry, sorry. Dang it. This is when Mackick's head enters the conversation. This is when it happens. Yeah, the guy like throws the head onto the floor and he's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> um, what? No, I'm not putting you on the bed. You can come here. You want to get on the couch? Come here. Sorry, Meg. Come here. No. You come here, my love. Come here. There you go. Oh. So I, I gave him a haircut this week. Six bits. Uh-huh. And the guard fell off, so he has a big old bald spot down the down his whole body. Because <laughs> I didn't realize oh, it had no. fallen off. <laughs> Shave and a haircut. <laughs> there you go, bud. Um, so Seth realizes he has a new master now because this guy holds the oath stone Seth is just like, okay, what are your orders? I mean, there's there's no, like, there's no begging. There's no pleading. There's no, oh, is this going to be better or worse? It's just, okay, what's next? And Seth is given a, <gasps> Seth is given a note with people on it he's supposed to kill. Megan. Hit list. Megan. It's, there's, there's, Emily, who is on, who are some of the people on this hit list? Six high princes, a Soleil Gerontarach, Gerontarach, I don't know what that is, the king of Yaqoved, which is Shalon's hometown. Home kingdom, but yeah. Home kingdom. And he's like, this is going to, this is going to throw the world into chaos. Like he doesn't say no, but I think he's almost like, no, you have to understand what this is going to do. I can't just kill people because you want me to kill people. Like, he's almost asking the guy to not make him do this without so many words. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, so the guy tells him, like, yeah, when you go kill these people, we want it to be big and flashy like you did in Alethkar. And then he he uses a soul caster thingy to turn the stone wall into smoke, just like Yasna Kalin. <laughs> And Seth says this was his nightmare, to be in the hands of those who understood his capabilities and who had the ambition to use them properly. Ah, Your dog is freaking out watching you scream. (laughs) I'm 
so scared for Seth. I don't want him to have to do this. How do we save him? Megan, how do we fix this? <laughs> wow. I don't know. How? 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 He'll be fine. He'll be fine. No. Nothing will ever be the same again. I hate all of this. Ugh. I'm so, so nervous. I'm so scared for Seth. I don't care about anybody else. I'm just scared for Seth. What if it's Delinar? What if he's one of the... If it's Sadius, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, which six high princes are it? I don't know. So, and we don't even know who the King of Yakovet is, but it's going to affect Shallan. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Because at first I'm like, it's her dad, but her dad's dead. And he's not a king anyway, so. Sorry, I'm, I'm giving my I'm giving my my dog loves because I did freak him out by screaming. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh man. It's okay. okay. Uh, with that, we reach the end of this week's reading. Um, next week we are moving into part three, which is called "Dying." And Not happy about that. Part three will focus on Kaladin and Shalon. So next week. We are reading chapter 29, Arrogance, which is a Shallan chapter. Yay! 30, Darkness Unseen, which is a Kaladin chapter. 31, Beneath the Skin, which is a Kaladin flashback. And 32, Side Carry. So it's it's three normal-sized chapters and a short flashback that gives us a total page count of... That gives us about a page count of 50. Okay. Um, really quick before we end, where was Seth last? Where was where was he hanging out with Makic? He Wow, I can't, I can't believe I didn't make you check the map. I'm at the map right now. <laughs> yep. Okay. I am trying to figure out where they were. Uh, he mentions the people in the den are Bavlanders. Uh, and I okay. don't know if they are... If they're in... I'm trying to think of, like, how long it's going to take him to reach the Shattered Plain. Because the Shattered Plain's all the way on the East Coast. Like, the very, very farthest east you can go. Mm-hmm. Which, where do the Parshendi live? Do they live on the Shattered Plains? Oh. Do they live in New Natanaten? Oh. Okay, it looks like he's in a town called Bornwater. Um, but I feel like that's small enough it might not be on the map. I don't see it. I'm hoping it's going to take him a good amount to get to wherever he's supposed to go and someone can take out his owners and free him somehow. Like, what happens if there's no one to take up the Oath Stone? Like, if... Does he just carry it around until he meets the first person or he gives the Oath Stone to the first person he sees? I don't know. Uh, oh, but you should note Seth in his chapter. He mm-hmm. uh, he says there's no place for him there in the Valley of Truth. Because he's truthless. Because he's truthless. <gasps> I want to know what happened so bad. You gotta read these chapters harder than you do. <laughs> Sorry, I just it was Seth. Yeah, it was Seth. Um, That's my excuse. We are gonna wrap it up there. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. My name is Megan, and I have to get back to storyboarding. My name is Emily, and I'm going to get back to writing my book. 
I believe in you. So I want to read this instead. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you want to stay on the video call and I'll watch you read the first next chunk of chapters? Sounds good. Okay. So my name is Emily and I'm going to read the first chapters and then go work on my book. Yes. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in you. Ready? Cell five. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It, The Way of Kings. Uh, usually, Megan would be the one doing the intro and the exit, but she is busy sleeping, preparing for her half marathon tomorrow, so we shall excuse her this very one time. Anyways, it is very, very late. It's very late, and I've already been cooking for a lot today. Um, like I said, there's only going to be three of us at Thanksgiving this year, but... We're making the same amount of food we would make anyways so that we don't have to do any cooking for the next week and a half and we'll just live on leftovers, which is what Thanksgiving is all about. Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We appreciate ya. And if you guys want to get in on our social media, come check us out on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt. We are getting ready to post our very last Haunting of Hill House episode, which will come out on Tuesday, November 30th. And then the next Roswell episode comes out Thursday, December 2nd. Oof, the year's almost over. And then tune in Thursday, December the 9th for our next Way of Kings episode. We have you guys covered. Don't even worry about it. Anyways, hope you guys have had your fill of pie and turkey and gravy and stuffing and whatever it is you choose to eat uh we think you're great go forth have a good week and remember we believe in you